Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of The Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great interviews, articles, podcasts, videos, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. We're going to be joined by Joe Fisher, the voice of the Vanderbilt Commodores. Talk a little bit about the game tonight between Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Get into some nonsense, but we have to start with the big news the big exciting news coming out just today, just a few minutes ago, had to wait, and apparently my timing is impeccable or my laziness is impeccable, one of the two, but the U of A System Board of Trustees will consider the resolution of naming the court after Nolan Richardson at Bud Walton Arena. Well, hot damn. I mean, my goodness, this is the best thing I've heard. This meeting will take place March 27th and 28th in Hot Springs. University of Arkansas Chancellor Joe Steinmetz has submitted a resolution for consideration by the University of Arkansas System Board of Trustees to name the court at Bud Walton Arena in honor of Nolan Richardson, a college basketball Hall of Fame inductee and longtime Arkansas men's basketball head coach. In case you're not wondering, I'm reading the press release of this. Continues on saying the resolution to name the floor Nolan Richardson court will be considered later this month. Quote, Coach, Coach Nolan Richardson led the Razorbacks to 13 NCAA tournaments, including the back-to-back Final Fours and the 1994 National Championship, as well as multiple conference and conference tournament championships. It comes from Hunter Yurichek, Vice Chancellor and Director of Athletics. Just this past weekend, during our 25th anniversary celebration of the NCAA title, I had the opportunity to witness the tremendous passion, excitement, and affection Coach Richardson engenders among our former players, coaches, and fans. And while I know many anticipated that we will utilize the anniversary of that championship to recognize Coach Richardson, his legacy is much larger than a single team or a single championship. We wanted all of his players, assistant coaches, staff members, and Razorback fans to have an opportunity to join us next season as we formally dedicate Nolan Richardson Court. Coach Nolan Richardson is not only a true Razorback legend, he is one of the most impactful coaches in the history of college basketball. In his 17 years at the University of Arkansas, he not only led the Razorbacks to unprecedented success, but also used his position in college basketball to help change the world around him. As the first African-American head coach in Southwest Conference, he was a trailblazer, helping to provide opportunities for many others to follow in his footsteps. So there you have it. It's finally going at least in motion to getting this done. Now, I am thrilled. First, let me just start there. I am thrilled that this is happening. I have been begging for this to happen. I have said many times, and people are coming after me, and that's fine, that I said it would not happen. That if it hadn't happened yet, it'll never happen, getting the court named after Nolan. And I'm glad I'm wrong. But I'm wondering about the timing of all this. Because, again, I can't just stress enough how happy I am that this happened, how, how I'm just think it's the best thing ever, and it's so great. But I'm curious of the timing. You had the 25th anniversary, the national championship team there, or at least a few members there, but you had a celebration, you had an honoring, you had an event, all, all that fun stuff. We know what happened. And people were outraged that nothing came from it, no honoring of the court, no nothing. It just seemed like it was pretty lame. And I even came on this podcast and said how lame it was. I was not very thrilled with it. But then, according to this quote from the press release from Hunter Yurichek, it says, 
I know many anticipated that we would utilize the anniversary of that championship to recognize Coach Richardson, but his legacy is much larger than a single team or a single championship. We want all of his players and assistant coaches and staff members and Razorback fans to have an opportunity to join us next season as we formally dedicate Nolan Richardson Court. Okay, that's great. And that kind of makes sense because you do want all the players there, at least as many as you possibly can. You want coaches there. You don't want Mike to be in the locker room when it happened or Scotty Thurman to be in the locker room. You don't want Corliss out there coaching. You don't want any of those things. So I look at this from two different perspectives. There's only two things that went on with this deal that I can at least lean on or look towards of why the timing seems so weird. The first off is that this is all 100% true and that they wanted, the University of Arkansas wanted to use the 25th anniversary to dedicate the court after Nolan Richardson. They wanted to use that. They kept having this buildup. But the problem started coming into play as far as former players not being able to make it, having some issues with getting the court actually dedicated after Nolan as far as getting his name on the court physically to make it happen because you can't just start plugging up wood there in the middle of the season. So it would make sense to do it next year. And it just wasn't the right timing because you didn't have the right people there. If that's the case, and if that's the truth, okay. Makes sense to me. I, I, can, un, I can get down with that. I can understand that. So that's a possibility. But the other possibility that I'm more curious about is that what if something happened over this past weekend? What if somebody of note, of power, of money, of wealth, what if it was the pressure from them or maybe the pressure from former players and the pressure from fans and then just all the pressures coming along that made Hunter Yurichek and the administration say, okay, we, we got to make this happen, guys. We can't be messing around with this. We can't please everybody. We can't please the board members. We, we got to make this happen. We got to do this right now. And then you see what happened. That's what I'm thinking is more likely. Because I'm sorry, folks. But when you have the 25th anniversary going on and you have that halftime ceremony and everyone's cheering Nolan, you're telling me that Hunter Yurichek couldn't get on the mic after Nolan made his speech and all that and say, thank you, coach. We love having you out. Thanks to all your players, to everything. We want to make this announcement to everybody while you're out there in, in this arena we are putting forth and putting into motion to be brought forth before the Board of Trustees later this month to name this court after Nolan Richardson. Woo! I mean, people would have gone nuts. They would have gone crazy. And then everyone would have said, yes, this is the best thing ever. But you didn't. You waited till after the party to make the announcement? I mean, that. what sense does that make? It's like, it reminds me of a bad movie that sets you up for a great expectation and you get the plot that goes nowhere. It's not as explosive as you wanted, but you wait until the after credit scene and then all of a sudden the movie makes sense. It's like, no, I don't want to wait till after the credits. I want to get watch the movie for it. That's what I want. And so that's where I'm really curious about all of this, about the timing. And I'm wondering if somebody of note, I don't know who, I don't know if some big donor 
or one of these boosters or a board of trustee member. I don't know. But I would bet my bottom dollar that something happened over the weekend or since that weekend took place to where somebody or multiple people came forth and says, if this doesn't happen, there's going to be hell to pay. That's what I think. That's what makes the most logical sense. Because I'm trying to give the benefit to 100-year check and all them. Because if this, if I'm not right about that, then they missed a golden opportunity to make the fans who were there at that game Saturday just go absolutely ape over it and love it every second of it and get Nolan's reaction to it and the players' reaction to it that are out there on that court to everybody just to cheer for Nolan in that moment, knowing that next year the court is going to be named after Nolan. You had an opportunity to do that, and you didn't. There's a reason. There's got to be a reason you didn't do that. Has to be. Don't tell me it's just, well, given the events and we want it, it's bigger than just a single event. No. You're telling me it's not. You sent an email. You sent a press release to us in the media to which we go. You go out on social media and post it, too. That makes zero sense. I sincerely hope, sincerely hope that it was just oversight that it was just bad. I, I hope it was just a bad decision made by the administration not to announce it. Because if so, if I like, I can't like. Remember when I did that podcast a couple days ago about the things that I would change, the minor cosmetics I would change if I was Hunter Yurchek or the administration. This is the type of crap, and the, one of the reasons why I did the podcast. Like, the, you know, I would have stepped in and said, if I was athletic director, if I was Hunter Yurchek, and and as soon as that halftime speech by Nolan ended I'd grab the microphone and just I'd get that crowd into it man I would put and just pipe them into a frenzy building them up and then I would give the honor to Nolan Richardson right there in front of everybody in front of all these witnesses and in front of you some of your former players everyone while we're honoring you we're going to give you the ultimate honor in naming the court after you that's how it should have been done. It wasn't, but it should have. But what does it matter in the end? Probably nothing. The court hopefully will still be named after Nolan Richardson. And everybody will be happy. But the timing of it all is what makes me so, so curious. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. The voice of Vanderbilt basketball, Joe Fisher. Joe, appreciate you joining us this morning. How you doing? Oh, good morning. Glad to be with you. Well, we have a lot of we want to get to with this game. First, we want to start with Vanderbilt there at 9-20, and 0-16 in conference. Just been a really tough year for the Commodores. What, what's been the issue here? Has it just has it been injuries? Has it been the, the battling? Has it been the talent? Well, just well, how did Vanderbilt get to this point where they're sitting at and looking at maybe a complete losing season going over in conference right now? Yeah, I guess if we knew the, the pat answer to that, it would have been solved by now. Um, I would say it's probably a myriad of things. Uh, it's a combination of, of injuries. It's a combination of um, uh, a team with a couple of players that just have not progressed as you would have anticipated they would. Um, Bryce has tried to find 
a steady lineup, a solid lineup uh, that could perform consistently well, hasn't been able to do it. And, and you know, and, and you've been around. Usually the, the excellent basketball teams are the teams that coaches know what they're going to get from a player on a given night. Mm-hmm. And they, they know their system. They know when I put this guy in, this is what I'm going to get when I plug this part in. That's not happened at all this year. You've had guys that have had tremendous performances for one half and then disappear in the second half. Uh, you've had you know guys that have a great game and then don't really have much of a game at all in the next one. And it's just been a, a constant source of frustration. And I, and I give Bryson and the, the staff credit. They have tried. They've pushed every button I think they can think of uh, you know, to try to, to figure out a way to jumpstart this thing. So, I mean, they've, had, they've moved uh, three or four different players to the point position, including a 6'10 forward. Uh, and, and so to try to you know create matchup issues and it's worked at times, uh, but they just have not been able to find a consistency throughout this season. Where does this leave Bryce Drew? I mean, it, it, you know, obviously you're you're staring at a maybe a winless SEC conference slate that uh, I don't believe at least since they went to 18 games has been done. Does that does that put him on the hot seat or how does the administration view what's what's happened this year and you know where, where do they go from here? Well, I guess, you know, the, you factor in as well, we have a new athletic director that just started in February and Malcolm Turner. Um, I, I have to believe that regardless of what happens from here on out, I, I have to believe, you know, Bryce, you know, returns, uh, you know, but I think it certainly does put the heat on a little bit to, to turn things around the following season, get back to where you were supposed to be. I mean, this was a, a team that had a highly touted recruiting class coming in and I think that's what's made this year so much more difficult is there was such high expectation. Um, and it just, it just has not come to fruition for the combination of things we talked about earlier. So, I mean, I have no idea what the administration's thinking, but I just said my gut feeling is that, that he would be back for another season at least. Speak with Joe Fisher, voice of Vanderbilt basketball right here on the Morning Rush. Joe, I want to ask you about Arkansas because they did get a victory against Ole Miss over the weekend and really fun and entertaining fashion. But before that, they had a six-game losing streak, and the expectations, it's, it's, not as, it's not as low as what Vanderbilt's going through, but still a lot of fans are not quite happy with the situation, and a lot of fans are wanting change with Mike Anderson. You've been able to call a lot of games with Vanderbilt and Arkansas. What do you make of Mike Anderson and the job that he's done with the Razorbacks and also the current situation that they find themselves in right now? Well, I, you know, I think part of what you have to take into consideration this year is uh, this conference is so much better top to bottom than it has been in years past. And, and so and I heard Frank Martin talking about this last night after their win, uh, South Carolina beating Texas A&M. He said, guys, the SEC is no joke. And he, you know, he said, you lose three or four in a row in this conference, it's easy to do. And it's not just losing to Tennessee and, and Kentucky and LSU. It's, you know, it can happen on any night in this conference. So I think you have to take that into consideration to some degree. Uh, you, you look at this Arkansas team, and of course they've got a terrific sophomore in Gafford. Uh, they've got a great freshman in Isaiah Joe. So I, I think you have to continue to look at the positives that Mike Anderson continues to bring in these quality players and continues to play a style that they enjoy playing and the fans enjoy watching. So, you know, I, who knows what's going to happen down the stretch? He's at 15 and 14 overall in the year. Um, if they could get you know, a couple wins down the stretch, maybe help themselves in the tournament some. I mean, who knows, you know, at this point. But, you know, I think whenever you play Mike Anderson's teams, you know you're going to have to give your all for 40 minutes because they're going to they're make you run. Uh, they're going to make you handle the basketball. 
uh, and you've got to be prepared for that. I think that's what was one of the frustrations in the game that we had earlier in Fayetteville playing that game because the Commodores actually did a pretty good job in the categories that usually cause them problems. Didn't turn the ball over that much. Turned it over 14 times, but it didn't lead to that many points. And then the Commodores got uh, second chance points, 18-6, to six, which rebounding had been an issue as well. If you go back and look at most of their other games this year, those stats are flipped. They usually get beat pretty badly in those categories. So they did everything right at Arkansas except gave up that last three-point shot, and uh, that was the difference. Yeah, that Keyshawn Embry-Simpson shot, right or wrong, I think it's been one of the more memorable moments of the Arkansas season to, to yeah. secure the win right there in that moment. I'm sure it was. It was dramatic because, I mean, and it was deflating, you know, because the Commodores had played so well in a tough place to play and then and then saw it go go away. All right, so one of the things Arkansas forces you to do, and, and we saw how Vanderbilt uh, handled it the first time, is you got to deal with Daniel Gafford. And a lot of teams have, have fronted him on post-entry and then had a backside, backside help come over. Do you think there's any changes in how Vanderbilt handles uh, Daniel Gafford tonight, or what do you expect defensively from the Commodores tonight against uh, Arkansas's uh, best player? Well, since he went 28-9 and nine against us, I think they better change something. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, he, he has a terrific talent. And not only is he, you know, tall, he's long. Uh, and that's been an issue for our post players throughout the season. We've got, you know, 6'10 players that are big and strong, but not necessarily tremendous length, like some of the players you see in this conference, like uh, guys like a P.J. Washington and Gafford and so many others that have wingspans well over 7 feet. Um, so that's been an issue. I, but I think you're right. I think what you're probably going to see is maybe let him catch the ball uh, with a defender behind him and then run a smaller player up under him, you know, try to try to tie him up and then test whether or not Gafford is good enough to get the ball out of there quickly to pass to the open man. But if you just play him one-on-one, I think you're, you're lining up for a long, long night. So I definitely would think you probably see different defenses tried tonight. You talk about the SEC and just how it's no joke, as Frank Martin says, and now it's really getting better and more competitive as a conference. When you, when you see what's going on, first off, how did it get to this point? How is it getting better? What's the reasons behind it? And also, do you think it's something that can be sustainable where the SEC can be a, a conference that's constantly getting six to nine teams in the NCAA tournament year in and year out? I, I think it may be sustainable, um, and, and I think part of it is there was a concerted effort a few years ago by the conference to force teams to play better schedules. Um, and I think that started it. It actually, I think, had a side effect that they didn't anticipate. It actually increased the national awareness of this conference because now they were playing more of those more high-profile non-conference games. And so um, I think that certainly has helped. I think one factor as well is it's kind of like uh, if you have championship-caliber football, you certainly have championship-caliber baseball. Uh, I, I don't see any reason why basketball doesn't come along with it. I, I think it just part of the reputation of the conference now is around the country, if you want to play in the best conference in whatever sport it is, go to the SEC. And, I mean, you can carry that down to golf or tennis or, you know, whatever the case may be. I, I think that's part of it, too. Um, and I guess the other factor is like, with these coaches, look at the coaches in this conference now. Uh, you mentioned Mike Anderson, but with the addition of some of these coaches like a Ben Howland at Mississippi State, you know, who's come in and, uh, you know, turning things around there. And, and there's just you're seeing more Mike White at Florida. You're seeing more and more talent brought in by these younger coaches or these coaches that have been around a while as well and kind of know what they're doing. So the reputation of the league on the court, in the coaching arena, and in general, I think has risen. I think it will continue to. Yeah, Vanderbilt's always been that that 
one place, that strange place when you watched on TV, the benches were at the end of the court, but y'all have uh, done a renovation there in, in Nashville at Memorial uh, Gym, uh, Coliseum, and a little, little different look now. Uh, when people tune in tonight, if you haven't watched Vanderbilt basketball all year, it's going to look a, a little bit different than what you've seen in the past. Well, uh, well, the benches are still on the baseline. Um, the, the, the different the co- the look coaches is, are, I guess, on the sideline. The coaches more. can wander the sideline, yeah. yeah. So, actually, I would say technically Vanderbilt probably has the largest coaching box in the SEC <laughs> because you get, the, you get the baseline in front of the bench and then you get the sideline you know, that goes out, gosh, three-quarters to, to half court. So uh, the coaches are much more happy with being able to communicate with their team because they can stand a little closer to them now. Uh, so, yeah, that took a little getting used to. And I know some fans were a little bit concerned that they were going to have coaches standing in front of them. But that's never really been much of a factor. And so I think it's worked out well. But it would take um, it, it would take something quite significant, I think, to change the move the benches uh, to the sideline because that would be a sideline problem for sure with that elevated floor. Joe Fisher, voice of Vanderbilt basketball. Really appreciate you hopping on with us uh, this morning, Joe, and talking a little Vandy basketball. Have a great call tonight. I'm looking forward to catching up with you later down the road. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Good to be with you. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Well, appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at Rush John Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have, and we'll be sure to keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.